Hello, welcome to the edited version of Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. If you'd like to hear the full version of this conversation, then you can go to cosmicshambles.com slash bookshambles and become one of our Patreon supporters, uh, which you can do for as little as $1 an episode. That's one US dollar, and obviously it will depend on which of our economies is declining more, uh, how much that actually works out in pounds, uh, euros, etc. Here's an advert before we start this week's episode of Book Shambles. Space Shambles is coming to the Albert Hall on June the 15th. I'll be with Chris Hadfield co-hosting with an enormous number of special guests, some excellent secret bands and comedians, some of whom will be announced, some of whom will remain secret until the night. And there are hundreds of tickets for under £10 too. This is just a one-off event. So June the 15th at the proper Albert Hall. Ridiculous, isn't it? It's exciting. Right, now we're both eating and we've got to start the show. It's your, perfect. Yeah, it's your no, I'll turn. Just this, no, I'll just drink this and do a burp, but that'll just add to Oh, a lot of burps coming from Josie at the moment. <laughs> so, awful. Josie, you've got the intro to do. No, you do it because I did both uh, yesterday. ridiculous. I did, though. Welcome to Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. Now, it would have been fine if we were eating when we had Ruby Tando on because it would look like it's linked. Hmm. But it turns out we've had very busy days, haven't we? I had to go to the doctors then. They rang me. Then they said, ring me back. But I was ever so frightened. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah, it's all fine. Good. And we are joined by uh, the uh, author, journalist and broadcaster, Claire Swatman. Um, Claire, Hello. I'm going to start off with something about the, uh, which I think will particularly excite Josie. You, uh, when you were, a, uh, a, a, you don't do so much journalism now no. as you did, but you used to work for a lot of the magazines that you used to adore. <gasps> That's really? life closer. Take a break. Take a break. <gasps> Until very recently. May I please ask you a bit about the oh, culture yes. of it? Of course. Like, yes. how does it work with generating stories? Like, do you have plans of what you, what kind of things you want to put into it? Like, how does it work with finding people? Ooh. Finding people, well, you always have a plan of what you like the perfect story, but obviously, you know, that never works out that way. Um, but you, there's a lot of people, a lot of freelancers who go out chasing stories that they, you know, you'll see a story in the newspaper, local newspaper, and you'll go and find them, track them down, go and ask them if they want to do a story, and, and they'll sign them up and sell it to the magazine. Or you've got the journalists who actually work on the magazine, but there's fewer of those now. Mm. And they'll do the same thing. So you, you, we used to read all the local newspapers. Wow. So and... then it feels like you know all the quirky and oh, terrifying. Some, yeah, there's some great things. And so, but then you, you know, you have to kind of spend a lot of time reading papers, new, local and national, to find just these little. T- sometimes a, a tiny little. And how would you know from, like, a little paragraph like this might be one? Uh, You just kind of learn what you're looking for. So, you know, there might be just a line about somebody... Well, for example, somebody selling their wedding dress, you think, well, there's got to be something behind that. Unused, you know, it might say unworn or something like that. You think, oh, there's got to be something. Or love rats, always the ones you want, but, you know, they're they're difficult because you have to get a right to reply and you rarely get them. And have you ever like had it where, like, you've spoken to the the love the rat in question, and then they're actually really brazen or really vocal about it? Yes, yeah, they are sometimes. But a lot of the time, they obviously deny it, and then your story kind of just crumbles down a bit. But it depends if there's if they say divorce papers, and they they can prove that they've done something wrong or something. You know, it's all written down legally. Yeah, yeah. Then you're fine to run it. But if it isn't, and there's nothing, there's no divorce. There's, it's, it's it's hard. The legal side can be a nightmare. What's your favourite one, Josie? Then, because um, this is when, when I first I knew Josie, them. like years and years ago. And I yeah. think that was 
those magazines were still quite a new thing at that point. Oh, well, and also that's you, a different show. Danielle Ward and all that. Mm. You know, that was Danielle Ward who actually wrote a, a show called Take a Break Tales, which was this kind of. Uh, I don't know. It was this. in Take a Break in the end. I think they did <laughs> report on it. Yeah. Sorry. Was, was it a musical, that one? I can't remember. No, I don't think it was. But then it... she did a musical about the killer nun. She but did. She started off, she did, and, and it was three different Take a Break Tales kind of done. It was uh, Izzy Sooty and Neil Edmond. Mm. And who was the um, third? Maybe it was Margaret Cable. Da- da- Danielle Ward. Yeah, and it was just, and it was fantastic because they were just turned into proper I can't you know, believe theatrical. I've never seen this. Oh, oh. It, should have done, it should have done a lot better than it did. It, it was really it was fun. Well observed as well. Yeah. Like, I... I have a really like interesting and maybe like self um I don't know what I'm trying to say, self-aggrandizing view of them, which is like when I got to uni, I I sort of felt a bit of culture shock, I think, because I went to Oxford and suddenly it was like there was this whole, you know, twenty echelons of social class that I'd never even heard of and knew existed and yeah. I was so intimidated by it. And also even Oxford City Centre at that time didn't even have what I perceived to be like normal shops. It was all kind <laughs> of like Stevenson's the Hatters to the Princes. <laughs> you know, and so I got really into kind of travelling out to like nearby places so I could find like a pound stretcher or something. Real people, like the milliners for Princess Margaret, that kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I just wanted to sort of find things that reminded me a bit of like Alpington and of like my family and my experiences and stuff like that. And I like, and also because what you're reading. Well, a bit. Yeah. I'm like serious, it's, you know, and make of that what you like as to my family background. But I um, was really, I, I would... Um, Oh, God, my brain is so stupid. Yeah, also because I was reading these really, you know, dry, high-end um, things. There's when no footnotes it... in Take a Break, are there? No. Yeah. Oh, sometimes yeah. it'll be like names have been changed. Yeah, there is Yeah, there is that. <laughs> oh, that's always disappointing because I'm like, oh, yeah, names yeah. have been changed or the whole thing's made up. They try one. not to do that, actually. Do Very they? Very much avoid yes. that. Because it undermines the reality. Yeah. Of it. But I, I love them because, like, they're really simple and they really reminded me of, like home and stuff, but also it felt like the most full-on, compelling, biggest parts of life and, like, always interesting and, like, like quite community-based. And it, 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 and then in my second year, I was studying um, 17th century chapbooks and early publishing, and it, to me, felt like Take a Break so much because it was oh, all, really? like, the woman who gave birth to a fish or, like, <laughs> the, the young maid who murdered her housemaster like and it's basically early yeah yeah. early women's magazine and also that's who was buying it was just like you know normal people on the street who would never ever own a book but would buy like for a penny a broadsheet about witchcraft or something broadsheet's probably the wrong word broadside what's the word I'm thinking of anyway fuck it but (laughs) and and so in my head I'm like I'm participating in a folk literature tradition (laughs) but also I just and like let's it. face it, they are a bloody good read yeah. a lot of the time as well. It's compelling. Yeah, and that's, I think that's part of the skill. It kind of becomes instinctive. You start to know what you're looking for, but it's also learning how to write them, and it's actually surprisingly difficult. Just like writing for tabloids is harder than writing for, mm-hmm. well, not harder, but it's a very different skill to writing for broadsheets. You have to boil the story down. Yeah. You know, you've got 1,400 words to tell someone's entire life story. And you have to have With some scenes sentences. that you've pulled out. Yes. Where, where someone's sobbing into a, you know, tissue or something. And, and, and yeah, you've still got this whole life story around it. Now. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> so you 
your, your first, your second novel, The Mother's Secret, is uh, probably by the time this goes out, it probably has just come out. But your first one, before you go, um, how much, I don't know how much we can reveal because both your novels have uh, have twisted in the tail and taken to different places. I presume we can say that Before You Go starts off with uh, a fatality. Yes. Because that's kind of what it's... That's it's, the first bit, yeah. Yeah, so it's it's yeah. dealing with this, uh, and it's a very moving, very sad kind of the, 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 the loss of a partner, and then you go into almost... I, I, as a science fiction fan, like to think of it as a time machine story. It is, yeah. I like to think of it as well. I love time travel. I'm fascinated by time travel. Time Traveller's Wife, one of my favourite books, and Back to the Future, one of my favourite films. So, yeah, anything to do with time travel. So, Which is probably why I decided to write that, but... Anyway, sorry. I've, I've, no, no, I just wanted to say question. Like, tell me about <laughs> time travel books that you like and what have you read, but I'm interrupting. Well, no, I just, I just wondered how much, because you're dealing very much with the internal emotional life of a human being, how much do you think those years of working on magazines uh, like, like Bellator, that that educated the way that you were able to express what you believed the problems that people were going through in, I, in, in a fictional work? I think massively, actually. I think that that's kind of where my my style of writing has come from because years and years and years ago I thought right I'm going to write a book it's going to be very worthy it's going to be very literary and it's going to be very highbrow and this is what it's going to be and I started writing it and it just didn't work it was a mess it was a I did, didn't know what I was doing didn't finish it and it just sat and what was the first one about um, was it one of those very worthy ones where almost nothing happens whatsoever um do you know I can't actually remember the first one but I definitely tried that before you go I attempted to write before in a much more sort of I didn't really know what I was doing with it. I just had the idea, a seed of an idea, and it was, but it didn't go anywhere. I stopped. But it's a funny, it's a funny thing when in advance you have an idea of what you think you're supposed to be and what yeah. you think your work should be, instead yes. of just going, "I'm going to see how I can write this." And... Yeah, and this is it. And then one day I just thought, you know, I, I want to write a book. Whatever happens to it, I want to have at least tried. So I'm going to just write what I know, and by that I don't mean like literally my life, but I know. <clears throat> a sort of chatty magazine style. And although the book hasn't ended up being particularly chatty magazine, it was much it was a very different style than I'd been trying to write, which hadn't come naturally. And I, yeah. And so I just let it happen and, and it kind of it it sort of flowed better. And I managed well, I managed to finish it for a start, so that's always always a good step in the right direction. Um but I think that going back to what you were asking about the, you know, people's emotions and stuff, I think that is very much where where it came from, the idea of writing that sort of book. Because, um, in actual fact, the seed of the idea came from a true life story, not one I wrote, but one I read, which was about a woman who, I think she was in her 30s and she had two kids and a husband, and she had an accident where she hit her head, something, I don't know the details of the accident, but I just, it, what stuck in my mind was she woke up and she thought she was a 17-year-old girl, and then she looked in the mirror and you know, saw she wasn't and thought, well, who are these kids, who's this man? I don't know how long it lasted. I don't think it lasted for the rest of her life. Um, but I thought, that's that's fascinating. I'm sure you, you've got to be able to do something with that. And yeah. for ages it sat in my head, years, thinking, what what could I do with it? But even that is, a, it, like, straight off, it's a kind of time travel. It's such yes. a, like... And in the end, I did it differently. Um, but it, I used that, that idea, thinking, well, what if she woke up and she didn't think she was 17 again, but she was. 
is kind of where it goes from there. So I wonder what it is about that because my mum, when she was in, I, we talked about before on this, but I, yeah. I was in this big car crash when I was uh, just before I was three years old. And when my mum came out of the coma, she had come out at a time before myself or my sisters existed, really? or my dad existed in her life. She'd come, and, she, and I think mm. she she was about in her head about fifteen, sixteen years old. And that is a, an, an incredible. I mean, looking back now, of course, I'd, I only have little kind of tiny pencil sketches of, of, mm. of memory of it but that idea of the the, the horror and the confusion yeah. to yeah. and and the and the the incredible intricacy of the human brain yeah. you know she came around and i can't remember she was in a coma for over a month and then and then she comes how long did that she, last for that she didn't know who anybody was i think by the time it, there were various things kind of have, have went on but it, i i would imagine it would probably come back within about a a, a year she got some wow, perspective but, but i still think that but it might have been like, but there was a lot mm. there was a lot of things because it was quite a, a major car accident so there was a lot of, yeah. but that thing when i i and i i think for my sisters who are older will probably have far more memory and, and what that might have done to them. But also, I, like, I mean, this is definitely just me, like, hypothesizing in, like, a pop way, but, like, I can see why your brain would go, you're 15, you're carefree, you're not hampered by society, you're in quite a, a specific space. I can see why you'd go back to kind of So almost like whether teenagers. it was a, a physical thing that happened in your brain or whether it was more of a subconscious decision to do it yeah like, oh see yeah maybe yeah. i'm just assuming that it's like the brain protecting itself yeah, or whether something actually had happened that yeah that just wiped out yeah. those but then if it came back i guess it can't be that so yeah who knows well that's the uh there's a uh, oliver Sacks. i can't remember which one of his books it's in but there's he talks about dealing with one of his patients who believed that he was uh uh, I think in his early twenties he was a sailor, but actually he was he was uh, I think the fifth, but he'd had had neurological damage, which meant that he believed he was still a very young man. And he said, and Oliver Sacks said one of the greatest regrets he had was one day he actually took a mirror to him and showed him because he just wondered what would happen. And he meant it in a you mm. know in, in 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 a humane way, not not. Have, and and he said I, I I regret doing that. He said the horror, the the the, the look on on that man's face mm. when he saw the physical reality oh, the and and him going that. that's not me, that's not me. Yeah, that would be weird. As a, thinking you're 15, 16, and seeing a, an older person in the mirror would be really freaky. And but obviously, what happens in the book in Before You Go is is kind of the opposite. So she thinks she's a thirty eight year old woman, um, and then she looks in the mirror and, and she's her and she's eighteen and and can't work out what's going on. And obviously, that takes a while for her to to come to terms with and work out what's happening. But um, so when you thought of it, did you kind of think of the concept and then? play it out or was, was it a case that you were like had a really kind of uh, intricate plan before you even like I did uh, well it? so I had the idea as I said for ages and ages and didn't know what to do with it and then I was sitting one day and I thought I know what I can do so I literally I got up and went to the computer and just typed out quick a plan yeah I thought right I've got that down now and then before I started writing it I actually wrote a chapter by chapter um plan plot on them very sophisticated post-it notes on my wall. And um, then I just thought that's, for me, it was easier because then I knew what I was doing. Yes. It was only very short notes. But also about, once you have it, it's like, oh, I can yes, dip it right, and start now. Yeah. And I didn't really know what I was doing with each chapter. I just knew where I wanted it to end, or what, what, what I, the basic thing, what was going to happen in each chapter. And I jigged around with it. And But it was, yeah, it was good. I find the plotting essential, actually. Otherwise who, I'd go off your... on a massive tangent or stop. Sorry. Sorry. I just wondered who your influence when you started writing the book or before that, when you were first thinking about writing a book, um, what were the books you were reading? What were the things that you would you would pick up a book and you'd read and you think, that's what I want to, what inspired you? 
Well, I think the reason I was originally trying to write more literary was because I absolutely loved Margaret Atwood. And I thought, right, that's it. That's, I, that I'm going to write like Margaret Atwood. And clearly, nobody can write like her because she's amazing. But um, So, yeah, I was reading a lot of her stuff. I mean, we did... I mean, Handmaid's Tale was the first one of hers I ever read. Um, it's just brilliant. And I'm not particularly into sci-fi, so I prefer her sort of more human ones rather than sci-fi stuff. But um, I was trying to think the other day... I'm, what are your favourite Margaret Atwoods apart from Handmaid's Tale? Which I've still not seen the TV series of. No, which I good. haven't. It feels too brutal and no, uh, contemporary. I haven't <laughs> seen it either, and I can't believe I haven't seen it because I do love that that book. But um, the series is great. But it's been interesting because I've been reading some tweets online by some different young women and talking about like how important is it to be telling stories where women are brutalised to that extent. Like, what does it actually do and what does that mean and stuff like that? And I definitely think when I read the book, I felt such, like, um, like connection and gratitude for it. But at the same time, I can totally see how, like, actually showing brutal things on screen kind of somehow adds to other I know what you mean. I think that's probably why I've resisted watching it so far because everyone said it was really brutal. And in my head... I mean, I know it was brutal, but it, I, as a 17-year-old reading it, I didn't have all that brutality in my head. It was shocking, and it, but it, I, didn't, I didn't... But you feel I, the strength more than anything. Yeah, I and I didn't picture it as being brutal in a sort of violent way. I don't know. Yes, I... I yes, so I, know. I think when I read some people, as you say, tweeting about it, I think I was on... I saw it there. And I was saying it was brutal. I thought, oh, I'm not sure I want to watch it. And it's weird as well because like, I watched it with my boyfriend and it was a really odd experience for both of us because I found myself really sort of judging his responses and getting upset yeah. by the fact that I knew he couldn't connect with it in the way that I could and yeah. stuff like was that. Was he cheering and the wrong bit? <laughs> Don't like, cheer that bit. Thank God they shut her up. She's one of the worst ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm sorry, I jumped in with my like... No, you're allowed to. It's your podcast. Um, but well, Margaret Atwood. So what? What other? So you're you're not so much things like Oryx and Crake, then I presume. Or... No, not so more like I love Alias Grace and Cats. I think Cat, the next one I read was Cat's Eye, um, which I have to say, so long ago I can't remember all the details. I've just got Im- snapshots of it in my head. So which I do with a lot of books. I'm I do have a terrible memory. I read something and go, that was amazing. I'm never going to forget that book. And, and then, then someone says to me, what was it about? And I go, um, yeah, I can't remember. But I'm just what gonna... lingers <laughs> is the feeling. If it's good yes. enough, you're like. I always, it's like if yeah. you meet someone and you have a really lovely interaction with them, but you only meet them once and then you see them again and you're like, I like you, but I don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I do that with a lot of books. In fact, funnily enough, one of the ones um, I was thinking about the other day was that I knew I'd loved when I first read it. Well, a feeling stayed with me was Enduring Love, Ian McEwan. And I, all I could remember about it was there was a balloon accident. And some stalking. Ha! And that was literally all I could remember about it. So I, it couldn't I've be read... worse. You could just remember, it's a lovely story about balloons. Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, wait a minute. Oh, no, it's coming no. back to me now. <laughs> so I've reread it. And I've reread it thinking, this is not what I imagined. I'd, I was reading back then because it was quite a long time ago I read it. I thought, this is very different than I remember. But Did I enjoy it that much? Because I like it, but I wouldn't go, whoa, this is the best book ever. But yeah. it's stuck in my head. But that's so mad, isn't it? Like how much especially with fiction, like, you approaching the page influences so... Like, how much is the book even there? Like, maybe that's too silly, but, like, (laughs) you definitely, like, when you come at a book at 20, 30, 35, 
that's where I am at, so I can't presuppose I'll get further. But um, when you come at it, you realise that so much of it was about where you were and what you were thinking and how you connected with it. Yeah. Sorry, it's probably really obvious. But yeah. No, but it is, you're right. The, the act of reading is very different to the act of watching, isn't it? So it's like yeah. that bit where you, you don't know, you know, you might be given a brief description of the look of someone. You might be given a little description of perhaps even their accent or whatever it might be. But overall, you're still drawing the faces. You're mm. still, you know, in, in a few sentences, you can't do the same thing as just filming someone and they do that action. That action makes it a lot more of a kind of objective image mm. but also then, you're yeah. you're divining meaning and significance from things so you can read a line that you underline twice as an 18 year old as having the most incredible significant meaning and then as a 30 year old be like don't think that's what they meant by that. Yeah. It's what well, I wanted them to Or would not have mean. even noticed it, maybe, as well. Yeah, totally. It wasn't underlined. And, yeah, exactly. And then you go back and like, mm. well, I'm glad you found this, but I think you've really stretched the context to make it mean what you want it to It be. is weird, though, as a writer, because obviously this is only my second book anyway, but the thought that I've written these words, and some when I'm writing, I, I couldn't tell you how I write. I just, it just kind of, I just get on with it, and suddenly I think, oh, no, no, no I, know what's, I know what's going to happen next. That's it, that's it. And then the thought that, my random thought at that point in time is now on paper and somebody's reading it and trying to interpret it. And underlining what, it. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, obviously it's not going to be an A-level text, but people might go, oh, I wonder what she... Oh, look, look at the connections between that. I think, oh, oh yeah, look at that. I didn't even realise. Well, I definitely think, like, with when you make something and then, yeah, it's only a few years later or something, you look back and you're like... I keep going on about boats. Yeah. <laughs> Why do I keep going on about boats? Yeah. Or like, it, I was obviously, like, what you think it's about and then later on what some of the themes that are actually yeah. there. And I think I found that with doing English A-level. I found very much that we would be talking about something and you'd go, and so what do you think the author, look at the connection between these two parts. And I'm thinking, I wonder if they did that on purpose or whether it just, they go, they're now sitting there going, oh, yeah. <laughs> In <laughs> the mean, nightmare that I'm I'm sure having. there are some that do that, but... <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've noticed uh, my poor publisher is having to deal with uh, endless uh, rewrites of the book that I'm doing. And I go, oh, I know why I wrote that. I went to that Robert Rauschenberg uh, exhibition <laughs> that day. I must have been reading a lot of Philip K. Dick that day. You know, no, there's a, but you're right. Uh, Things that you're reading at the time definitely influence how you write that particular day. Well, they do for me anyway. Yeah. And sometimes I think, go back and think, that that complete that's really incongruous. That doesn't go with the rest of the style of the book. What's that? I have to redo it because obviously I've been write, reading something a bit different, a crime novel or something really a bit more pacey. Or um, I even have that with like if I spend too much time with another comedian, I will then go on stage and I'll I'll feel as if I've just picked up tiny parts of their intonation. Like I won't, and I don't think the crowd would see, but I'll be like, oh shit, that's pure them. What am yeah. I doing? You know. <laughs> Um, who, who do you um, it, when you're writing? I presume that that can be quite a difficult thing in terms of what you you can read, as in not when you're researching. But if you think, oh, I'm now just going to read a book, you suddenly go, oh no, that's either too close to what you're working on. You know that 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 thing where to try and banish away um, yeah. over influences. Do yeah. you find that problematic? Yeah, I did actually. I had to try really hard not to write read anything that was too too much of a similar vein of the thing what I was writing because you don't think using the same words and the same and think oh no I don't want to do that because it sounds like somebody else writing so mm. I found myself reading a lot more stuff like crime fiction psychological thrillers I love a psychological thriller anyway but you know just because it's it's different type of language a different kind of pace and a different feel so I found myself less influenced by what I was writing I mean it didn't always work out but 
So, sorry, sorry, back on your psychological thrillers, uh, um, what were the ones you particularly enjoyed re- when you were working on uh, both Before You Go and, uh, and The Mother's Secret? What were the ones you thought, um, who did you particularly engage? So terrible at remembering names of things. And you asked me something like that and I wouldn't remember any of them. Well, um, also, I can never remember what I'm reading. I, 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 and then suddenly someone will mention a book and I think, oh, yes, I read that, it was brilliant. But I can, if you ask me what I'm reading right now, I'm like, oh, what huh. am I reading right now? But what kinds of sure. things do you enjoy or, like, yeah, what kind of writers are your favourites of them? Well, um, I love Maggie O'Farrell. Anything she's written, I just love. I love her way of writing. Um, and their stories are already different as well. You know, there's one, um, Instructions for Heatwave, which is literally set um, in one place. But it's all about the people and the characters, and, and I love that. But equally, she's got sort of these big stories to tell as well so I just love her way of writing again thought I'd be, like could write like her but but turns out I can't so um I just write my own style um who else do I love? Kate Atkinson as well they all seem to be women actually which is weird but um I love Kate That's Atkinson cool. yeah um God in Ruins was one of the best books I read I think it's last year the year before it was brilliant absolutely brilliant the twist I don't know if you've read it but no it's why I feel embarrassed because I'm like oh I haven't read any oh, of these the twist at the end just we did it for book book club actually, but I think it was my choice. But I just loved it. Who are we? Proper... No, no. What were you going to say? Sorry. I was going to say book club. How I've never actually been part of a book club. No, me neither. How Who's in much it? of a problem is it when? Uh, how much pressure? You know that bit where sometimes you go, "Hey everyone, you've got to see this film," or "Hey, this one of my favourite songs." Then you sit there in the room <gasps> and you go, "Oh, I don't think people like this particular <laughs> yeah. Pearl Jam album as much as I imagined." I've been so, very, so sorry. very specific. I think to you'll Claire's find everybody would like Pearl a Pearl Jam, Jam album. <laughs> but that moment of, of where you've gone, "This is the book that I want to share with people," and then you go, "Oh." Well, the way we do it, we don't. It's not you're not allowed to have read it before, right? So I wouldn't go and say, "Well, I've read this. Why don't we all read this and talk about it?" We all, we all just choose a book and then we all read it before the next book club. Although we don't all read it, it turns out. But most of us do. <laughs> and, um, do people try and blag? Well, so I think some of the few of the girls in the group, bless them, just come along for the wine and they don't um, necessarily do a lot of reading. So, And a lot of them, that's the only book they'll have read. And so that's fine. It's great. It means they're reading the books. But, um, but obviously I read quite a lot. So um, often by the time it gets to it, I think, oh, hang on, what happened in that one again? It was only about two <laughs> weeks ago, but I've read a couple of books since then. But... Um, I've completely forgotten the question, Robin. What were you asking me? Oh, no, just about, oh, yes, uh, about when, when, you, when the, that, that choice of the book and how yeah. much if so, when someone goes, well, who was telling me? I was chatting to an author the other day who actually did this thing where every now and again, uh, apparently someone thought it would be a good idea to get her to come along to book clubs, which had read her book. No! My book club did my book. Whoa, yes. no! And obviously they're not going to say anything horrible about it, but it's just... I, That's very weird. It was it was a little bit odd talking about it. They were my friends as well, so, you know, you just think, oh. oh I just, I, I prefer someone to just, I think now, just read it. And tell me if you liked it, but otherwise don't mention it again. But, <laughs> well, that's what I've heard. This, I wish I could remember who it was. And she said, it was incredible. She said, this one person just went, well, I think this is a terrible book, and I think the way <gasps> you write characters is... And you go, well, 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 this level of honesty is not required. No. Well, and you. also, I don't need to, like... That level of response is great. I don't need to be exposed to it. How how much uh, harder or easier, first of all, was writing the Mother's Secret, um, having finished a, a a novel? It's been published, and now you, apart from anything else, unlike I suppose before you go, you know this book is definitely going to exist. Yeah, it's- that was quite different because obviously I had the two book deal, so. I was writing this book, whatever happened. And I know that uh, my agent says to me, sometimes people don't like that because they feel the pressure. But I think my journalist background, I'm, I'm good at deadlines. Huh. So I thought, right, well, I've got this book to write. That's when I need to get it written by. 
let's just do this. And I and I had the idea anyway, so I I planned that and then wrote that. And um, it was so it's quite a different experience because I wrote it in a much shorter frame time frame. Um, and but but the difference was I think before you go, I wrote about places and things that I knew a little bit about because when I started writing it, I didn't know it was ever going to get published. So I thought, right, I've got this com slightly complicated storyline to deal with, timeline to deal with. I'm at least going to use places I, I'm familiar with so that I'm not thinking too much about that. But with The Mother's Secret, I set it somewhere somewhere else. I set it in Norfolk um, and Norwich, which I know a bit. I know Norwich, but I don't I actually set it in Cromer, which is a slightly odd choice because I hadn't been... But I've been to most of Norfolk and Suffolk, so it, but it felt like the right place. So I A lot spent... of people write to give themselves an excuse to go to Cromer. Yes, well, yeah. exactly. <laughs> so I did go to Cromer and spend some time there. But I think from that point of view, I, there was more to re research in the second one. So it was a different thing. So although I felt more com comfortable with the whole, well, I know I could finish a book. Whether it's any good or not, I don't know at, the book at this point, but I can finish it. And I felt more comfortable with the fact that I knew it was going to get published at, at the end of it. Um and that somebody wanted it to read it um it was it was doing the research for things that was that was a bit different i mean i did research stuff for the first one but it was it was stuff that i vaguely knew a bit about already but um what happens though when you get because this has got a couple of things in it which i suppose would be well they 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 they're legal matters they're matters about all manner of, i won't give away there's a kind of twist about page 50 is 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 the major thing is it page page 40 page 50 there's the bit where know we, we know what's being being that's built up that's a good so. place to drop it because yeah. when i'm reading a novel it's usually by page 50 that i make Decide, my mind yeah. up in some way yeah, yeah. Well, that's where the, that's around there where the twisteroo happens, and that, that what if so you've got the plot, and then you start researching it, and you go, oh, oh, actually, technically, that I mean, that must be there were a the few things where... like that, yeah, there were a few things like that, and I thought, oh, that that can't actually happen, so that's going to have to change a bit, um, and then obviously other people have an opinion on whether something works or not as well, so then you have to change it. <sighs> we don't have to, but if you agree with it, you have to. Um, but you're right; there are sometimes you think, and I think a lot of that for me came in the planning stage because I'd kept thinking right well so this could happen oh no but then that wouldn't work and then so I think by the time I came to write it which is the relatively easy part I think is um I'd kind of ironed a lot of that out some of it's not because the writing's the fun part the first bit is like all the, the first bit is, and, and then the and then, and then there's a, there's a, this is this is really exciting I've got a whole world to create now brilliant and then there's a bit oh god I don't think I can do this and then there's a oh this is all terrible <laughs> And then I go, oh God, I'm, I'm never going to be a writer ever again. And then there's like, oh, actually, I finished it. It's all right. <laughs> so there's kind of that whole thing to go through every time. Well, I've just finished writing the third one. So I've just finished, just got to that stage. I've sent it off. That's really exciting. So, so this is because this one, I don't know how much can we give away about the mother's secret. It's, um, it's about two sisters. Uh, their 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 mother uh, has uh, is is going through the the early stage of of dementia. Yeah. And it's what we kind could of, say is that there might be a small spoiler in a minute, so you can. Stop I don't here. know if I should say it actually because I think that it's one of those books where right at the beginning you try and second guess what you think it's going to be because there's certain clues and yeah. and then it's uh, it's kind of but it isn't so it's that bit where yeah it's 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 but that point I mean you obviously love mucking around with that that idea of 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 twists of permutations of what might you know it, you know this is some of this is about it like before you go about what might have happened if. Yeah, what I love would that the idea. alternative reality I love, have been. I love that idea, and that's always what I want to 
think about actually I never set up thinking right well this has got to have loads of twists in this and I can't just write I, I would be very happy if it just came out and it was all sort of just quite linear and but actually it ends up not being and I think well but, but something else has got to happen to them and um so yeah I think that thing of uh, you obviously love that kind of uh, uh, d- d- different possible realities. Yes. Both bo- both of your novels deal with uh, um, one of one of them is a very is, is almost a very literal one after the yes. bump on the head that we talked about. The other one is someone going through the what if scenarios after they have found out the revelation on page forty eight. <laughs> yeah, no, and I do love that. I, f- I find it fascinating that whole sliding doors thing. You know, the yeah. I've just rewatched sliding doors. Oh, God, I loved that. I absolutely loved it. Oh, I've seen I've it all... so many times. Yeah, same. I don't, but I have so many opinions on it. Yeah, well, I love the the whole idea of it. I'm yes. not necessarily sure that when if I watch it again, I'll. I think I'll it's love just the it. concept is so strong. Yes, I've never yes. seen it. Was Sorry. it Gwyneth Paltrow, and it's directed by the first Joey from Bread? Is that right? Uh, oh, I don't know. I think it is maybe directing yeah. the person directing. Who I think I saw in sure a production, name, a stage but... musical version of Fritz Lang's Metropolis with Brian Blessed as the scientist. Astonishing. It did not have a very long run in the West End. Anyway, sorry, because I keep anyway, picking up on things which are needlessly deranging. Um, sorry, I... he just mentioned Brian Blessed randomly, but... <laughs> oh, but, by the way, yeah, I've just checked the screen this... of knowledge. Sorry to interrupt. Now, but the, the person that we were talking to, we should have remembered this, was actually on one of the book shambles. It was Evie Wilde oh. uh, oh. on an old episode. Evie Wilde, who told us all writing... about the fact that, yeah, this person just Beautiful straight to her face went, yeah, lovely person, certainly Honestly, no who'd way. who do that? Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so this idea of like there being the chance for the other realities, like, is what we're talking about. Oh, God, why am I so distractible today? I'm so sorry. Um, sorry. Is what we're talking about. Oh, no, 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 I look at the screen of knowledge. You continue to ask questions. I'm distracted by that now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Don't look at the screen of knowledge. The screen of knowledge is for, for Josie, not, not so for it's you. About, like, it's not for you. Potentials, that, that being able to explore different potentials and being able to imagine different routes that these things could take. Yeah, because there's always a pivotal moment. And I think everyone can go, well, I remember that time when if I'd just arrived two minutes earlier or I'd said a different thing at that point, then life would have gone in a different way. Yeah. I I definitely got a few of those in my head that I could, you know, talk about. And you go, what if? What if I'd, you know, when I said I'd meet that person, what if I hadn't arrived on time or... You know, because they were walking off, and I, what if I'd got there in time and, and actually met them? And what would have happened then? And I just, I love that idea. I love the fact, and obviously, I can't just write every single book like a sliding doors film. But also, <laughs> so much of life is about not realizing what those moments are until it's far too late. Exactly. So yes. much of it is like, and I, love that. I now see 10 years after yes. the fact. Yeah, I think at the time, you probably don't realize. But I love the idea that actually, there's all these moments in everyone's lives where it could just go either way at, at, for what you do or say or. A tiny well, it's thing. like every single moment. What's oh. it? Isn't that that must be like? Is that uh, a Joni Mitchell song? No, I was going to say a scientific idea of like literally every single possible moment is this. Well, you have the many worlds every... theory, yeah, which is that at each point of decision, at each point of event, um, uh, all possibilities occur. Yes, that's what I'm and thinking. And you happen to be down there, which is kind of what sliding doors is is uh, but you, looking you, at. Yeah, so. you couldn't obviously you can only think of it in like in terms of two different options because otherwise you would be writing the longest novel in the history of the world. No, but that's a good idea. And <laughs> don't do that. Novel. Alan Moore will be cross. He's he's been he'll, that'll be the next. But yeah, that idea of where each permutation takes you. In some ways, people find it quite a relief because they go, oh, well, at least in another universe. But in another way, some physicists say, 
There's bunkum in here. There's a bit of a debate about it. <laughs> What's the Kate Atkinson book that where she where and it's actually before the God in Ruins because then it's the God in Ruins just has got one of the same characters where she, they um everybody she keeps living the same bit of her life so she'll live a, a few years and then she dies in a in an accident and then she wakes up and is doing it again but everyone's slightly different. And, it's like Groundhog Decade. Oh, it's brilliant, but I can't remember what the, for the life of me what it's called. But anyway. I love stuff like that. I'm always like, it says anything about time travel, different versions of a life. Yeah. Like, oh, See, that's a nice that, idea where someone that. wakes up and then everything's slightly different and only at the end of the book do you find out what the incredibly minor event was huh. that meant that everyone went through that. That's like... Book I number four for <laughs> yes, you there. That's like a Red Dwarf that. where it's uh, Arnold Rimmer is awful and then he meets his doppelganger who's great and he says, oh, it's because I was held back a year or something. And then at the end you find out that, like, evil Rimmer wasn't held back a year, good Rimmer was, and it taught him to be a better person A bit like this something. episode of The Simpsons as well, when that happens with Bart, so... <laughs> you see? You see? I'm sure it's not quite, so, quite the same, but... Do you feel like for you fiction is, like, playing out extra chances of things, like, that kind of thing? Or do you think that's too, like, therefore it must mean this about you, when actually it's silly, it's just like... Uh, I don't know, possibly there might be an element of that in it, I suppose. Without me even realising that's happening, maybe. What if I'd done that? Then this would have happened. I was right about that. Claire, like, what are you running away head. from? <laughs> Is that what you're really trying to ask, Josie? Well, no. I, do you know what else I was thinking was? I find it really interesting. Like, Kurt Vonnegut, eh, does it a bit. He's taking characters from one work of fiction into another. And are you ever tempted to do that? Like, to pick up on someone that you've written with and put them Maybe one else? day. Maybe one day I will. Because I think I quite like that idea that you think, oh, oh I know who that person is. But obviously, this is only my second book, so I'm thinking maybe when I've written a few more, there might be a character I think, actually, there's definitely something more I can do with them. You've got to broaden out the universe first before you... Yes. Well, that's the interest, yeah, the, the the side character who... That's what I love about, you know, the, the series of Zola books, which have, uh, you know, whether it's the Earth or whether it's the, uh, the, the Boozer or Beast of Man, all of them are connected to the same family. There's a huge family tree where their destiny, some of them are Nana and all of that kind of yeah. stuff. There are definitely Great. some characters in the Mother's... Well, you know, I think everything you write, there's, there's a character you think, actually, I, I like this character. They might be completely mad, but I just there's something about them that I've really enjoyed writing. You think, yeah, that, that I reckon I could do more with them. It's a shame they're only a minor character, but that's just how it is in this book. Have you ever had the reverse where there's someone that you think, oh, I'm going to love writing this character, and then halfway through you're like, oh, I'm I'm sick of you. <laughs> um, no, not yet, but I'm sure they will. I wonder. In a way, that's probably not a bad thing because you don't have to like the person yeah, exactly. you're writing, do you? I think sometimes you do. You might think. Well, that was a bloody stupid decision they just made. Oh, well, I've just written it, but it doesn't matter. But <laughs> That's what Dave Keenan said, who, who wrote, we've talked about this before, but this is Memorial Device. He's, he said he found himself so deep in the book, he was going, why has he done that? And then go, you're writing it. No, but it's not well, my fault. He's it's done true, it. though, because sometimes, I mean, there was a scene I was writing where well, it was in The Mother's Secret, and without giving too much away, she was about to knock on the door of somebody that she was, she'd been tracking down. And I was writing it, and I was really nervous about what was going to happen. I was thinking... But I know what's going to happen. I, mean, I haven't quite decided how what they're going to say yet, but I was like feeling really nice like I was watching a film, thinking, oh, God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? I thought, what am I doing? I'm writing this. I'm in control here. That's so exciting. Yeah. And also so cool that, like... And I never thought that would that happen. I never thought I would be doing that. But sometimes, and there's days where you sit there thinking, oh, God, I might as well just... 
She's still not in. How many times, how many chapters (laughs) is she going to be turning up and knocking on this bloody door? Chapter 10. I'll just leave a card. (laughs) Did you not enjoy that bit then, Robin? (laughs) No, I felt there should be more knocking. That's I want the whole book of someone going, still not in. And then eventually it turns out they give me the wrong bloody address anyway. Um, That that bit of finding the character you like is interesting. When I interviewed um, Andy Weir, which I did on my own because Josie was was when you were in the States, Mm -hmm. and um, Andy Weir, who wrote the Marvel, and his new book Artemis basically he found the character that he liked most he suddenly realised wasn't the lead character so mm. so in fact the, uh, the, 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 the lead character in it when he decided he went oh she's the person that's really interesting and this is the story that I want to tell and so suddenly wow, yeah. what had been the main story becomes right that is just some background over there mm. and now my camera my mind is following this character but that's like what you were saying about yeah. like what you think you ought to be writing versus the story that you have what comes out yeah <laughs> yeah I was going to say that often I find that I like their friend a lot and I wonder whether that's because I'm basing it on a on a mixture of some people I know and they are my friends and so therefore I like them better than I like the main character. I don't know. But that's true in films a lot, isn't it, where you actually see, you know, the number of actors who who go, oh, this one's quite boring. Hello, I'm square jaw. I'm square jaw. I'm crooky. I got a couple of things going on in my head. I'm just square jaw. I'm a very linear man. And and I think that can happen sometimes. What has to propel the vehicle along, it's it's actually everything else that you see out the windows that is more interesting. Mm. But sometimes I think the characters as well just, they form straight away. I think, right, this person's got to be like this. They've got to be, you know, I don't know. Whatever it is, whatever they're supposed to be, purpose they're supposed to be serving, they can either jump straight at me and I know exactly what they look like, exactly what, how they speak, or, or I think, I, I don't really know what this person's trying to do here. And that, that, they're the harder ones to write because I often find that they develop more in rewrites. That by the time I've finished it and the final draft is done, I know who that character is. But if you go back to the first draft, you think, oh, that was a bit of a wishy-washy person. <laughs> so I find I quite like that, that they can develop so much. And then have to go back and go, hang on a minute, I've now realised this is not consistent. What they've become is not consistent <laughs> yes. with what they were in Chapter 1. I've had to move the post-it notes around. Yes, oh yes, I like moving my post-it notes around. But I like the, I like it when you, because you've finished it, you then can work out ways to put in subtle prefiguring. Like the, yes, drop in things. Front-ending the yes. stuff that you've finally worked out is like such a joy when yes, you're like I'll put, totally is. put that in so that becomes a callback and yeah, yeah. no I, and I find I quite I enjoy that bit more than the actual getting the first draft down is exhausting I think it is it's really hard someone I, I can't remember who it was said again it might be on Twitter said someone asked me the other day if I enjoy writing books and she said I don't enjoy writing it I enjoy having written a book and I think actually yeah. yes the actual writing it can be sometimes just like getting blood from a stone and then you think, oh, my God, I've written it. And it's actually, it's actually all right. <laughs> the best bit's always imagining it. I've just worked out what one of my Edinburgh shows is going to be. It's going to be called The Satanic Rights of Robin Inch. I saw no, it. the Robin Inch that dripped blood. It might be the Robin Inch that dripped blood or it might be the house that dripped Robin Inch. There's some other quite bits. good suggestions. It's, I quite There's like some lovely them. stuff there, but I'm going to do, and it's just going to be about my, my when I was eight years old and I fell in love with horror movies. Wow. Um, oh, now, but great. I know that the happiest I'll ever be with that show was last night when I came up with yes, what it I might be. And that's Because it's never going to be 
all of the potential and all of the joy of the initial imagining of it. Yeah. No matter how no. good it is, no matter how much you love it. Nothing ever turns out how you expect it's going to, I don't yeah. think. You but, have these grand ideas. Yes. And it may be as good at the end, but it's not what you expected it to be. Well, and also, before you write it, there's still the idea that it could be the best thing that anyone's ever done or yeah. written. Oh, and it yeah. could, you know, and then once it's written, it's like, well, it's just one of all of the things on earth. And there it is, you know. Yeah. But before it's written, it's like, it's platonic. It's like... Though I, I suppose what I'm really thinking is, as long as one person goes, uh, hello, uh, I run the uh, George A. Romero convention, uh, oh, yes, and we would like you to come over. There's no money, but we will pay oh. your airfare. Uh, okay, <laughs> that's it. Um, no, no, fine. we'll pay your airfare. And of course, you can eat the complimentary buffet. A buffet, you say? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just find out, Josie, what are you reading at the moment? Uh, I am still reading Hope by Shalom Auslander, which is uh, the uh, book I was talking about the other day. Um, it's I'm finding it really interesting and I still don't know what to make of it. I And also I'm finding it interesting because it's a book written by a Jewish person, a lot about uh, the Holocaust and about reactions to it and about things like that. And I sort of feel like I have no idea... You know, I don't have a better idea about this. I don't understand. You know, it's just really interesting and really sort of provocative and strange. And But the writing of it is very dense and funny. And, yeah, it's interesting. I just still don't know what I think of it. <laughs> I'm on The Incredible Shrinking Man by Richard Matheson. Who wrote I Am Legend. It's great. It's just like, you know, Richard Matheson was a, 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 a great writer. And because he was in a particular genre, probably not as revered as he should be. But it's excellent. I've just got to the bit where the very small man has been chased by a spider. Oh, uh, yeah, it kind of starts with that. And then a lot of flashbacks. So it's a bit like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But with a lot more jeopardy. <laughs> a lot um, darker. And, Honey, I Shrunk the Man. <laughs> yes. um, Claire, what are you reading? I actually, um, because I was thinking about all the books I've enjoyed and my favourite books, I've just started rereading High Fidelity, which I've not read for years. And again, it's one of those ones that is, you know, Nick Hornby, that feels different reading it from 1996. It feels quite dated, actually. There's lots of references, but nobody really has a mobile and, you know, lots of really strange oh, yeah, dated like, references. Um, it's so funny but, with things like that. But it's awesome. great. Um, but I, I've just finished, um, well, I've read quite a few this year, but The Dry by Jane Harper was brilliant. I read this year. And did you have you read? I was going to ask you because when you said about Oxford, have you read Anatomy of a Scandal? No. Oh, you should read it. It's very much set in, and there's a the whole bit about this girl who um, who goes there and it feels quite out of her depth to start with, and it's quite interesting. Right, I should I should read it. I shall. I've read Notes from a Scandal. Will that help? No, it's it's a little bit different. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, but the book, by the way, I sure it, it was actually the the book that made Oliver Sacks uh, in in terms of a, a, a public uh, a writer was uh, the man who mistook his wife for a hat. Uh, Peter Howitt was the director of Sliding Doors, and I believe he was the first Joey. And Kate Atkinson book we were talking about was Life After Life. <laughs> well it. done if you got all of those questions <laughs> earlier in the podcast. Thanks for listening. Go to Patreon.com uh, if you would like to help uh, fund these shows and various other things that we're also working on and go to cosmicshambles.com where you'll find loads of different stuff as well as all these podcasts and all these reading lists thank you very much Claire Swatman thank you thanks brilliant Now, I'd just like to say thank you to the following people who help us make this by supporting our podcast. And they are Ian Thistlethwaite, Red Pender, Lorna McRitchie, Alan Trotter, Helen Edwards, Andrea Speed, Rob Cave and Mickle Trust. I think I said that right, Trust. 
I'm sorry, it's my first time encountering it. Please email us if that pronunciation or any of the other pronunciations were inaccurate. We brought in a new series of tiered rewards, including behind-the-scenes stuff, live YouTube Q&As, and a book club with Robin, Josie, and special guests. I am Robin, by the way, but it's the way it's scripted here. Anyway, geek tickets, tote bags, and be a guest on Book Shambles. That is also another possibility. So go to patreon.com forward slash book shambles or cosmicshambles.com. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' Book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions. 